Take your Bible this morning and turn into the book of Matthew. We're going to the last chapter of the book of Matthew, chapter 28. I've used this scripture thousands of times in 50-something years of preaching. Never have used it much as a text except a time or two. But this morning, God laid it on my heart, spoke to me. Actually, it laid it on my heart yesterday, and I kind of pushed it to the side because it's just so common. And actually, I don't even know what I'm going to preach on it. Amen. I'm just going to use the text because that's what God said to use. And I figure he knows more about the message than I do. So I'm going to commit it into his hand and hope he does something. If he don't, I'm going to sit down. Amen. Lord, don't show up. I'll sit down. All right? And so some of y'all start praying now that the Lord won't show up so you can go home early. And I'm going to pray God get you under conviction. Matthew chapter 28, let's start tonight, today in chapter numbers 28 and verse number 16. We're going to the 16th verse of the book of Matthew. Now here's some things that these disciples didn't understand much. Actually, in 2023, a lot of people don't understand much about it either. I found that out. Lots of people don't know a whole lot about the Word of God. Here's something that bothers me. Somebody that's been going to church for 40, 50, 60 years, sitting in the same church, basically at the same pew, at the same spot, and been doing that for several years and never, never, never realized it. And then you ask them a question about the Word of God and they can't tell you. Isn't that kind of strange? I said this the other day in a Bible study, I believe, that by the time you're 25 years old in America, with the access we have to the Word of God and to churches that preach it, some of them don't, but many of them do, there's no reason why somebody that's 25 years old can't walk around a little bit in the Word of God and know something about God, know something about Christ know something about the Holy Ghost, and know something about a church. But you'd be surprised that the people can't even wade out ankle-deep water, amen, in the Scriptures. And I'm not being, I'm not being critical. I just, I'm, I'm amazed at that. By the time I was 25 years old, I didn't know much. But I know more than the average person does today. Because I'd studied. And the reason is, most folks don't study the Bible anymore. All they hear is a preacher. And the Bible sits on the corner somewhere, the uh, little table in the living room, they call it a coffee table. They don't use it for coffee nor a Bible. But I pray that God might help us this morning to get a, get a hold of these things and see it. But Jesus gave us something here. He's given it to the disciples and at the same time, he's giving it to you and me. And they didn't understand it then, and we don't understand it today because we are not involved in it. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16. Then the 11 disciples. How come he's on 11 now? Judas hung himself. His bowels gushed out. Amen. You'd be surprised that people in America wouldn't know that. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, 
into a mountaintop where Jesus had appointed them. He had a special place. He said, tarry ye. You'll find that in the other gospels or the other records of the gospel, the gospel. Only one gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. No, they're not. The, the four records of one gospel. And each one of them saw it different, but then neither one of them contradicted each other. Then it said in verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But notice the last part of that sentence, and you can say the same thing today. But some doubted. I would say this morning, there's some in here that are doubters. You said, not me. I'm not even going to pick on you. I wouldn't know. I probably would miss it. But if I listen to you long enough, I figure it out. Amen. I believe we got some in here just pretenders. You pretended to have it, but you ain't got it. I believe some are possessors. Amen. But some are just professing. In this church. Yeah. I ain't talking about... First Baptist Church I ain't pastor there. Amen. You said, I believe we got some in here that's got it. I do too. Now I can't tell which one is. Because sometimes we all act foolish. I thought Peter had it and then he got out there cussing and I changed my mind and found out he did have it. Amen. Are you with me? So it's not my job in here to, just, to declare what you are or what you ain't. But I can have my doubts just like you can have your doubts about me. But listen, that's not what we're here for today. So the some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, I want you to notice what he says. It's important that he says this. And it's important that you get what he said. All power. All power. And we hang up on them two words. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Wherever I'm at, I've got all power. Why has he got all power? Because he has been to the grave. He's went to the heart of the earth. He ascended up on the third day out of, out of the heart of the earth. He rose from the dead and came out of the grave on his own power. So all power is given unto him. He said here unto me in heaven and in earth. Now notice verse number 19. He said, go ye. Now he's talking, if I read this while ago correctly, and I believe I did, he's talking to the 11 disciples. He's talking to the remnant of the ones that he's preached to for three and a half years. He's talking to the ones that were supposed to be with him all the time. That he had made fishers of men. That he had made his disciples and taught them the word of God. 
By this time in verse 19, these fellows knew what Jesus, who, who Jesus was and what he stood for. They doubted a lot of times, they questioned a few times, but they knew who it was that said, Go ye, you notice that next word, therefore? When you see the word therefore in the Bible, you look to see what it's there for. Think with me. Why did he say, go ye therefore? What's, what is the basis of them? Because all power is given unto him in heaven and on earth. There's none greater than Christ. There's none more powerful than Christ. I don't know why in the world men tremble uh, at their wives, and I don't know why wives tremble at their husband. I don't know why churches, amen, tremble at the things that they tremble at. I don't know why people tremble at the a world. Amen. There's no more power given to anybody than Jesus. So he's the final authority in your life. His word, it should be the final authority in your life. And his presence should be the final authority in your life. Now he said, go ye therefore. And he's got a comma there and he's going to tell you what he wants you to go do. And here's where we fail. We get part of it. We started right, but we're not ending right. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations, comma, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, Jesus is the one that initiated baptism. Other religions today initiate sprinkling. Are you with me? You know what baptism represents? It represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And the reason we teach baptism is because God said that we go as, as a sinner, we get saved. Now we've been resurrected spiritually. And we tell the world through baptism, we've been buried in the water. we raised up and now we're going to walk in the newness of life. And then we got crowds that come along and said, you don't have to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You ever hear, see a preacher baptized and hear of them baptized and they said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus only? They're a false prophet. Well, you know, such thing as a prophet, they're a false teacher. They're a false preacher. They're Jesus only people today. They don't baptize the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If I baptize the name of Jesus, I'm not correct because I have a baptized in the name of the Trinity. I believe in one God. The Bible teaches there's one God, one God only. But it shows us that He is... One God manifest in three persons. They come along and for years people say this and I understand where they're getting it but I want to clear the record. 
A lot of people don't believe that Jesus existed until he was born of a virgin. That's not right. He's always been. But I will tell you that Jesus did not exist till his birth. Because Jesus is his earthly name. The anointed one, the Christ, the Savior, has always been. Amen. Now he's in two persons. Amen. He's the Son of God in flesh and the Son of God as God. Now might that blow your brain this morning? That's all right. But God, in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost always has been. Don't get away from that. Then he said in verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now that's kind of reading that a little slow. Amen. And I went over it. Now, We're going to pray and ask God to help us. Father, give us wisdom, understanding. Help us, Lord, to comprehend what we've talked about. Show us, Lord, what we need to say. Give us something this morning that will strengthen, encourage, and challenge hearts and lives. Lord, we're concerned today about people who think that they're saved, hope that they're saved, wishing they were saved, but yet won't pay the price to make sure they're saved. We thank you this morning, Lord, that uh, those who have called upon you, believed and repented of their sin, called upon you, have been birthed into the family of God. We know what you've told us about the Word of God. We realize, Lord, that we were sinners. We realize we were on our way to hell. We realize that we could not save ourselves. We could not keep ourselves. We could not birth ourselves. Lord, nobody in here in this building has ever birthed themselves in either the Christian life or in their physical life. Well, that's something you've never given us the privilege of. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory, knowing that physical life and spiritual life has to come from above. And, Lord, you told Nicodemus if, if they entered their mother's womb the second time and were born the second time, they'd still be the same flesh that they were the first time that they were born. But that spiritual birth has to come from above. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching of the Word of God. Now help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me give you some facts here about this scripture. This is not only to the twelve or to the eleven disciples that are left, but it's also in vision of the church. Do you see that? The church has not come yet. It was not fully developed until the second chapter of the book of Acts. In the mind of God, it was already. Before the foundation of the world, the church existed. But it was in the mind of God. It was not revealed to the, church, to the world until Christ paid the price and through death, hell and the grave, He Purchased that church. Death, burial, and resurrection brought it into being, the blood. 
brought it into being. Disciples may not have understood it as a church here. He didn't tell them as a church. Because it has not been established. It was empowered. I believe it was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world was laid. I believe it was in the mind of God when Christ was on the cross. I believe He paid the price for the church when the blood and water came out of His side on the cross of Calvary. And He said, It's finished. Into thy hands I commend my, commend, commend my spirit. I believe that the church was bought and paid for right there. And God brought that church as the bride out of his side, just like the bride came out of the side of Adam in the Garden of Eden through a rib that God took from Adam. I do not believe that the bride was taken out of the side to be trampled on or to be inferior, but that the bride was to be of the husband. In this case, Adam and Eve will be the same. That's what Jesus said. They shall be one. And I believe the church this morning, as the bride of Christ, is to be one with Christ. Now we experience that yet. We will. The church is going to be called out of here. And it's that way. Now God has set the church for the people who are believers. Made up of Jews and Gentiles that we've never seen in our life. Except just spots and places. In the Old Testament, Gentiles got in. Here and there. And mainly made up of Jewish people. Now we've got Jews that have got in the church. But the church is mainly made of Gentiles. And we've got separate trips to make. The Jew's been put on the side. He's been placed on the sidetrack. God has took his hand basically off of the Jew. He can get in if he wants to. God's made an open door for them to come in just like he's made an open door for you and me. The Jew don't get in by... The blood of a bullock, a lamb, or a goat. But he gets in through the blood of Christ just like you and me. He's got to come the way of grace. And that's what we're under today. Thank God for grace. Grace is the unearned, unmerited favor of Jesus Christ toward you and me. I want you to know you've never done anything to deserve it. You've never done anything to acclaim it. You've never done anything... Uh, for the Lord that you could do, if you could do it, you wouldn't done it. And you can't do it. So God had to give you the grace of God. Same goes for me. And so I'm under the grace of God. It's a gift of God. Amen. Amen. When God gave me salvation that morning, I walked down the aisle, bowed at the altar, down at Return Baptist Church. Brother, God gave me that grace from above. It's been a gift and I've enjoyed it ever since. I've kind of disgraced the grace of God every once in a while. Oh, preacher, you, you have too. Don't you build yourself up to be very high. There's nothing to any of us. We're like worms in the sight of God. God never has. Give me the grace of God and the righteousness of God. Amen. 
because I've done anything. I didn't. I come off the right tree. I didn't. I had the right parents and all that. Lived in the right town and done the right things. God didn't do that to me. I just believed Him, and He accounted it unto me for a right, for a righteousness. So you said, well, have you got right? Yes, sir, I've got righteousness. But it's not mine. He's counted unto me by my faith. Amen. Bob and I love this whole verse of Scripture and I'm getting to where I want to go and I see where the Lord is taking me now. Listen to me. I look in the Word of God and Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, I am crucified. Let's turn there. I, I don't want to miss a word of this. I don't want to uh, even uh, inflict any kind of injury to the Word of God this morning. In uh, Galatians, Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, Paul was preaching. And he said, I, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Have you been crucified with Christ? Amen. Let me tell you this. I remember this come to my mind years ago. People talked about uh, we need to crucify self. Preachers preach that. We preach it every once in a while. Well, let me ask you a question. How can you crucify self? Can you lay down on the cross and... And take a nail and drive it through one uh, through a hand. Yeah, you can do that. If you drive it through your feet, one one, you know, first plunge, you can get that. And you can drive maybe a nail through the first arm or first hand. But now let me ask you something: How are you going to take and take your left hand if, and uh, drive a nail in your right hand? How you going to do it? Somebody's got to do it for you. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live. I've been crucified, but I'm, I'm alive. Crucifixion will kill you. That's what the old man's got to do. You've got to die to the world. And you come alive unto Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Hey, I live, but it's not me that's living. He said, but Christ liveth in me. Now listen, we got some things to say about that. I see where the Lord's going with that. I appreciate what God's doing. Look at what he said. But Christ liveth where? Where's he live today? In me. He lives in you. Well, wherever the Lord living, He's going to take over. Amen. Remember last Sunday I talked about when they went and got the old, when they went and got Christ and the old uh, master came and he came to, he invited him to his house and when he went in his house, guess what happened? He started cleaning house. He threw, that, threw everybody out as a whining and moaning and groaning. And then took the disciples and went in and raised that girl from the dead. When he moves in, the devil moves out. 
When he moves in, ungodliness moves out. When he moves in, righteousness moves in. Amen. I mean, comes in with him. And the devil takes all his bad deeds away. And Paul said, but Christ liveth in me. Paul said, you don't see me, you see Christ. That's what everybody's supposed to see about me and you. And the life which I now live in the flesh. This flesh. He said, I live by the faith. The faith of the Son of God. I don't even have the faith to believe. Did you know that? Hold your spot right there. I'll slide back over here and give you something else. Let's go to the book of John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Notice what he says in chapter 1. Down in verse number 11. The Bible said in chapter 1 and verse 11 of John, He came unto His own. And His own received Him not. He came to the Jews, but they didn't receive Him. But verse 12 said, But as many as received Him, to them gave He what? Power. Matthew 28. All power is given unto Jesus to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. In other words, He give us the power to believe. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Amen. Yet not I, but He said, Christ liveth in me and He has given me the faith. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. For me to believe in Christ, I've got to have faith. I've got to get it somewhere I get it. Where do I get faith? I can't hatch it up. I can't dig it out. I can't manufacture it. Faith comes from God. So he gave me the faith to believe. And then it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now when you think that you... You earn your salvation. And when you think it's you, God owes you salvation, you're out of the Bible. It's all of God. Now, we're going over to, uh, to Matthew again. And look at Matthew chapter number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Heaven and earth. I don't care where he's in heaven or if he's on the earth. He's got the power. If he's got power in heaven and I'd have to go to heaven to get the power, I'd be in trouble. Because I don't have nothing to get me to heaven in except the blood of Christ. And I couldn't get the blood without the power. So he says here, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the 11 disciples and the future church. This is what we call the Great Commission. 
These are the last words of Jesus before He ascends up into glory. Actually, I guess it may be the last sermon because He said in, when He went up off the Mount of Olives, He said, why stand you gazing? Talk to He said, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus went up, will come again in like manner. And Jesus didn't preach that. It was one of the angels or those men in white apparel. Let me throw in you a little thing about somebody said, well, you know what? I had an angel stand by my bedside and they saved me. An angel can't save you. You know why? Because they're not perfect. You said they don't, they don't sin. Angels don't sin. Where'd the devil come from? He rose up and took over. And that's the reason God won't put angels to t- trust in uh, angels with your salvation. Because you said, they don't sin. Well, they don't sin, but they can. God proved that through the devil. So, somebody that died on the cross of Calvary for me has to be somebody without sin that can't sin. Jesus could not, has not, will not, nor ever will He sin. When you get to looking at it like this, you see what a great salvation we have. Because we got such a great Savior. You said... Well, the Bible said God can't die. That's why Jesus died. God didn't die. He gave up the ghost. They buried the flesh. But the flesh rose because God couldn't stay dead. He didn't die anyhow. Amen. Christ did. Now listen, you're going to get... You get, a, you get into this thing and you, you pull out some rotten doctrine and become a false witness if you want to be. But I want you to know this morning, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died. Christ died. Who's Christ? God. Jesus, amen, died on the cross of Calvary. That was the flesh part. All right. And then we'll go on. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing. But did you know that's where the church is stopped at? God gives some more to the command. Look at verse 20. What you do is you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then what do you do once you do that? Verse 20, you're teaching, teaching them to observe what? All things whatsoever I have commanded you. The church has failed right here, and here's where it's failing at today. The church is not going into all parts of the world, and sometimes it teaches, preaches, and baptizes, but after that it usually forgets the converts, treats them like convicts, Did you know one of the things that uh, America's failed in down through the last century is failed to train converts. Train the young babes in Christ. Fail to train them what the truth is. 
The church has set up different standards of how they're to learn. Entertains them. Takes care of them. Makes them have fun. Wants them to have fun. They've geared the church around socials and gatherings and fellowships. The main primary motive of the church and what God established the church for was to preach, teach, baptize, and keep teaching. Are you getting this today? Where did God tell you to go out there and feed the poor? He said you'll have the poor with you always. Feed them today, they'll be hungry tomorrow. You get that crowd raised and get them to eating. And here, next thing you know, that crowd just keeps a growing. Poverty levels keep a dropping. I mean, increasing. Are you with me? Poverty levels today. Churches now are in food banks. They're in kitchens. Amen. Soup lines. They're in, uh, what is that? Meals on wheels. That's what I'm trying to think of. All those are good things, but that's not the Great Commission. It seems that people can give them a piece of cornbread and a bowl of beans. A lot easier than they can say, hey, ma'am, can I ask you, have you been saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? But let me give you something to eat. That don't tax your body as much. You don't have to know much because they'll have the beans and the taters and the cornbread and you walk up to it and they'll smell that and that's the drawing power. But they come up to you when you go up to them with a gospel tract and an open Bible, that don't smell too good. They don't want it. Are you with me? The Bible teaches us what the church's job is today. And churches have forgotten what the Great Commission is. You say, but I, I, I don't understand that. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, all nations, all nations. How can I get into all nations? You can't. We got the best means of doing it now than we've ever had in our life. When Jesus told him this, he didn't say you get you go down and get in your jet and fly over and uh, uh, give the gospel out. He didn't say go down and get you a ticket and fly all over the world. Didn't even have airplanes. He didn't say uh, get on a train. Didn't have trains. Amen. All he could have said is get on an old stinking camel and head off. You understand what I'm saying? Now we've got social media. We've got all kinds of ways of getting here and there. And now, by the way, we can preach the other side of the globe uh, on the internet sitting in the living room. And there's a lot of people taking up on that, but a lot of it is false teaching. What's he say? Well, he says to us to get, that's why we got missionaries to send them to foreign fields. That's why God's put out a printing ministry so that we can supply the literature to them. Amen. The job is open. 
There's room for advancement in the cause of Christ. If I wasn't such an old man tired, I'll tell you right now, I could do more. I'm not using that for an excuse. But I'm telling you this morning, it's harder to get younger people involved in the work of God than it is to get older people involved in it. Older people want to do it and can't. But you see what he's doing in the church is not God established yet, but God's done give it the job. So then when they got to the second chapter of Acts and the power fell and we had 3,000 souls got saved, guess what happened? They started going into all parts of the world. Look at something. This is something that they, we overlook. We, Amen. Look at chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Chapter 1, the book of Acts, and the key verse of chapter 1 of the book of Acts is verse number 8. Every chapter has a key verse to it. And here's what it says in verse number 8 of Acts, chapter 1. But ye shall receive power. Where's that power come from? Matthew 28. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now what he's saying in verse 1 is, but ye shall receive power. What power is he talking about? Christ. He has the power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall speak in tongues and... No, oh, I messed up, didn't I? Meant to read it wrong just to let you see. That's what they think. When you get the Holy Ghost, you start speaking in tongues. I got a message I'm fixing to preach... Matter of fact, I started to preach it this morning, but God wouldn't let me. And it's not, He don't want it preached. I just got, I just don't know everything I need to know right now. And God tried to say, hold on, I'm going to show you the rest of it. I don't want to get premature with God. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. That's what he's talking about. That's what we are. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. We're witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. I like that word Jerusalem. You see that right there? Let's look at this. J-E-R. Then the next three letters are U-S-A. And the last three letters are L-E-M. I've always preached... USA right in the middle of it. Bless God. That means where he wants us to go. You said that that's not authoritative to me. Well it might not, but sure made me feel pretty good. Jerusalem and USA Jews and saved Gentiles. And in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Somebody said, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to, to, you know, to put the gospel out all around the world. Well, God's waiting on you to do that. But before that, he, he then started off with them in Jerusalem. And they preached, and the Bible tells me out of the book of Acts, they went everywhere. So the gospel has already been around the world. And if we got it around the world today, somebody... Be born tonight. And there'd be some that 
one hadn't heard the gospel. And it wouldn't do much good till they got to the age of accountability. So how many times do you think the world's going to have to know? God ain't telling us to wait on everybody that gets in. God's trying to say, go get them and bring them in. These ladies go down and put them pages together and we put them, make them books and Brother Dallas comes down and staples them up. Miss Betty Jean folds them and then the ladies begin to put them together and check them out and put them on the shelf and all that stuff. Somebody comes and gets them. We put them in the boot of their car. Amen. Or the trunk. I used to call it a boot. Remember that? I know you do, Brother Virgil. You're as country as I am. Amen. Ain't nobody in here, I guess, had any more country than Brother Virgil. But he talks on my language. He talks on my level. Amen. Amen. And some of y'all other do, do too. Amen. Uh, I don't care who you are, everybody in here is old country. You, you, some of you have climbed up to a little higher degree, you think. Some of you wouldn't eat the same food I eat. You got to have that fancy stuff. Some of that fancy stuff, I get hungry too quick. My wife used to like to eat that, uh, what is it? Taco Bell, I believe. Yeah, Taco Bell. Well, you need a half a dozen of them tacos and you'll be hungry in 30 minutes. piece of meter and half a pound of lettuce and some kind of something I don't know what it is look I've been eat before but hey I'm trying to tell you today that we need to get the job done and God done told us if we got the Holy Ghost of God we've got the power Amen. and that's all we need that's right. said preacher I just ain't got the education Lord, where does it show you this morning that go to college and get all this stuff and learn this and get you a degree and go visit and witness and knock on doors? He said, I've I got all power in heaven and in earth. And he said, but when you get the power, I'll give you that power. He sent them to Jerusalem and t- told them to wait on the power. He sent the power Now what have we got? All power. No excuse for us. I believe we'll give account to God. That's why it's important. See, God don't just teach us we get saved and then we sit down. We live for Him. We are taught to follow. Let's let's read that one more time. One more time. One more time. Hey, I'm going to see this. I want you to get it. It's done soaked down in my heart. The Bible said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. Teaching them to what? Observe. That means you not just look at it. Observe all things whatsoever. In other words, you're supposed to live by this book from that day on. 
And that's what we're to teach. That's why I get in trouble when I start telling people what you should do and should not do. He said, All things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even the end of the world. Another place says, I'll never leave thee, amen, nor forsake thee. And then I read another place where he said, what I've committed to him, amen, he has, he has decided he's going to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm not going to lose what he's given me. So you don't have to worry about that either. You just get up and go. Get up and do. Amen. And you know what? Most of this message this morning says, Plump. You know what that means. Medicine ball effect. That's a good sermon preacher. I like that. But I ain't going to do none of it. Amen. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to keep praying and keep praying. God change America. You know how God wants to change America? One soul at a time. Churches can't get along. They're wanting to fight, fuss, feud. People going to hell. Families are so disrupted, they can't get it together. But everybody in this building's got family members that don't have it right. And if they died today, they'd go to hell. And you see, you see how full the altar is right now. See what I'm talking about? That's why we preach on this. Ain't nobody ever preached for lost souls any more than I have down through the years. Still doing it today. Come in at a different angle every time. But every angle you use, people don't listen to it. Goes right out the window. God bless you. I love you. But God's give us a job to do. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give account for what we've done with it. Amen. Heads bowed. Let's stand our feet. We'll get an invitation.